0: Welcome back podcast listeners, I'm back on deck for episode 139, and Tony, we're starting with the apologies, aren't we? Yeah, we are,
1: but you're talking about allowed to talk
0: about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> uh, look, Willard, Willard's been the co contact, and I've been struck down, so we've missed a couple of weeks, but back on deck. Um, struck down from what? <laughs> I had COVID. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what well, we're going to start with today, and what I reckon is exciting for you, because this is where you really get going. Um we have to talk a little bit of history today. Absolutely, I and mean, this is this is this is where you get most excited. But you did send an email out. Was it this this early this week or last? It all last sort of week? blends in. Yeah, yeah it Wednesday.
1: Sort of. So I'm sure it was this week. But I wanted to cover
0: off on that article and and the headline to that article is market fall reveals your tolerance. Um, do you want to give a little bit of a background before we dive in? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because
1: markets never go up in a straight line, and the analogy that you know, we've used for many years in here is that if you think of a kid walking up a set of stairs bouncing a basketball, if you focus on the basketball, you'll go dizzy. Uh, but if you focus on the fact that he started at the bottom of the stairs and ends at the top... Uh, so, he, but he didn't go up in a straight line. It was up and down the whole way. And that's what happens. And sometimes markets uh, suffer severe corrections. And sometimes that is because people were spooked, like what happened during COVID, as an example. Yep. And in all in all honesty, there was you know the uncertainty of what was happening. So so you can understand why people were spooked. The last quarter of 2018 was quite a severe correction, but it just happened a little bit a day, so no one really noticed. It's like weight creeping up on you. You know, all of a sudden you stand on no. the scales and say, the suit's a bit tighter, but it was just a gram a day, a gram a day, all of a sudden becomes a kilo and two kilos. And, and that's what happened in the last quarter of 2018. And it's just that we this January, it's, it's been noticeable and it's been it's been due to the scares of the you know the very high inflation that we've been experiencing yep. uh, since the world has semi uh, highly semi opened up again. So, Yeah, so markets do go up and down.
0: Yeah. I think the article starts off with a great quote as well, um, and we'll dive into, I guess, risk tolerance and profile on that as well. Uh, But it says, each person has to play the game um, given his own marginal utility considerations in a way that takes into account his own psychology. If losses are going to make you miserable and some losses are inevitable, you might be wise to utilise a very conservative patterns of investments and um, save all your life. So you have to adopt your strategy to your own nature and your own uh, talents. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all investment strategy that I can give you. That's Charlie Munger in 1998. And I think this is nearly something you start with with all clients, is not every client fits into the same basket.
1: Absolutely, absolutely not. And I think, I mean, if you take Charlie Munger, for those of you who don't know him, he's the even more direct version of Warren Buffett. He's Warren Buffett's business partner. So everyone knows Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. Charlie Munger is the guy worth the same amount of money. Yeah. You know, he sits on his side and uh, is very dry. Uh, he's he's 90, 98, 99 now, I think. He's known. Uh, he's still he still goes and gives talks all around the world, etc. Very few nowadays, but. Because, you know, everyone would love him in high demand. But, yeah, they're, you know, him, him and his business partner have done pretty well in the investment world over the many decades that they've been in it. But what we're talking about here and what he's talking about is that it's markets do go up and down. And there are losses in the market, you know, over a period of time, the market is usually higher than what it was. And even if we're just talking, that article I sent out, all we're talking about was the indexes. Yep. We use the US index and the Australian index as an example. And I think there's there's two ways of looking at this. Is that, you know how you have the gambler who only ever remembers the wins? Uh, so as an example, oh, I won $55 on Tasselotto this week but I spent $200 on a ticket. <laughs> so it's, uh, but they talk about the $55 they've won, they don't talk about the $145 they have lost. And that's a gambler and that happens with people who do day trade in markets and things like that as well. They'll remember the gains, but they tend to forget the losses unless their bank account continually reminds them of the losses. Yep. The next part is though, is it can actually be the opposite when it comes to the investment market where they totally ignore all the gains But are so scared of those losses. And, and, you know, there's there's an example of a client's portfolio in January uh, where she rang and she said, you know, she said she's concerned because her portfolio is down by 15 grand. And, you know, that's a real concern to her. What wasn't taken into consideration, though, was the portfolio for the calendar year. So from January to 31st of December was up 110,000. So, if we take a 13-month period, she's still up by nearly $95,000. So, to to say, what should I do? Should I just go to cash, or should I become more conservative? And you don't sell and go to cash in when there's a Boxing Day sale. If there's fraud, if there's uncertainty, you might get out of certain sectors like with COVID, uh obviously we didn't want to have exposure to the tourism sector or the hotel sector or commercial property sector as an example, the REITs. Um but in saying that though, you know, if we'd got out of the market, we would have missed out on a twenty plus percent return for that entire period. Yep. So having that short term fear factor of getting out of the market and then getting back in he can you know and and I did make a comment today as you know on LinkedIn uh, to a fund manager regarding that and Facebook as an example you know for full disclosure I won't mention the fund manager but I do invest in their fund actually yeah. you know on a personal level I do actually like them and like their fund but I did make a comment on that regarding this year you know, don't focus on what happened, you don't focus on what happened yesterday to try and pump up your own ties. You focus on well, what's happened during that period of time.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think that leads itself as well to the study um, that was in that article. You, know, yeah. you were talking about selling up and going to cash, but one study um, looked at the US share market over a period of nearly 40 years and calculated the impact of missing the best five, 10, 30, and 50 days in that period. Now, so missing
1: the five best days over 40 years. Yeah. So we're not talking over four months. We're just talking about over 40 years. So
0: an investor who hypothetically invested 10000 into the S&P 500 index on the 1st of January 1980 and remained fully invested um, would have seen their money grow to almost 660000 by 31st of December 2018. Now, if you missed out on those, just the five best days during that period, you would have actually reduced their return by 35%. Missing out on the 10 best days would have cut returns but more than
1: half it's interesting isn't it yeah so that's you know and when you consider how many days there are over 40 years you got uh over 10 years is 3, uh, six hundred and fifty, so times that by four uh we've got fourteen odd thousand fifteen odd thousand days that's actually just missing what was it, the top 50 days top five top five the top five days are missing 35 yeah. percent total return which is two hundred thousand dollars and then you're losing over 10 days you're losing over 50 percent yeah and this is the thing and even if you take COVID as the example which i did put in there as well you know we had some massive uh, record actually in australia you hadn't seen losses like that not the 87 crash or planes flying into buildings or the tech wreck we didn't see one day losses like that ever uh since i've i've actually been in the industry anyway which is 30 years and you know we had six seven percent drops in one day Yep. and if we quickly panicked and cashed out, we missed out on the five and six percent gain the next day. And I think there's, you know, there's there's a bit of a, you know, like even with sort of Facebook as an example, uh, it's lost twenty five percent of its value last week, yep. just because of a whole range of things. And, uh, it's, that's an hour's conversation, but it's, um, but it lost twenty five percent of its value. Mark Zuckerberg lost forty three billion dollars of his own personal wealth in one day. He's still when he broke, <laughs> but it's. Uh, but in saying that, you know, that, that's a hell of a, uh, a financial loss. at even, you know, Facebook got cracked uh, in two thousand eighteen as an example as well. I think it's something like ninety three or ninety seven percent of Facebook's revenue actually comes from advertising. Yep. Um, you now, when you actually have a look at two thousand eighteen. If you had invested the day before it got smacked like 15 odd percent, which was a record at that time in respect to loss in 2018. So the day before that actually happened and you held the stocks and you held them today after the t- recent 25% drop, you're still up by nearly
0: 50%. Yep.
1: So based on that, if you bought Facebook shares on the 1st of January, Should you be selling them today? Well, hopefully it doesn't take up a huge chunk of your portfolio, uh, but you know, or is this a bit of a longer term boxing day sale? And the same if, you know, if you have a look at, say for example, you know, we looked at Apple, we looked at Microsoft and all those eggs, Amazon, we look at even Tesla, you know, not a stock that I love, but you know, it got smacked. It had massive one day falls. But once again, if you have a look at Apple, the in the fall that it went, which was a massive $200 billion fall back in 2020, I think it was. Now, if you sold out at that stage, Apple today is worth $1 trillion more than what it was back then.
0: Yeah, well, I think if you even look at the ASX and look closer to home, um, in 2020, we have some stats here as well. So there was a fall of 9.7% on the Mar- uh, 16th of March, which was followed by a rise of 5.8% on the 17th of March. Yeah, After a market fell by 5.6% on the 23rd of March to hit the 2020 low, on the following three days, it rose by 4.2, 5.5, and 2.3. A fall of five point three happened on the twenty seventh of March, and was followed by a rise of seven percent the next trading day. Yep. So I guess that's where your basketball is coming from. Absolutely, that's bouncing, that's bouncing double
1: handed and quickly. But yeah, and yeah, and sometimes you drop the ball and have to go down back a few steps to pick it up yep. and start bouncing it up again. But that, but that but that's exactly right. And I think the the key is here, Jamie, is that you know the GFC is something I quite often allude back to. And as you know, I, I love history and a whole range of different things, but uh, the markets and. The GFC had fraud involved yeah uh, the tech rec had ridiculous bubbles you know people registering at dot-com with no business plan and getting paid 50 million dollars because it's the next big thing you know this time it's different so you know and it really comes back to that it's if a company for example you know um, nothing.com sells for 50 million dollars uh, and it's going to be the next big thing and you buy shares in nothingcom now there' no such company I just I can't think of a name off the top of my head, uh, but you buy shares in that company because it's going to be the next big thing, and nothing happens. Well, I would have much preferred to buy bought shares in Microsoft before the tech wreck because it's still around today and it's still worth you know ten times more than what it was. Well, uh, actually, probably a hundred times more than what it was back in the year two thousand when the, when the market got hit or smacked really badly. So there was definitely, I mean, stocks were definitely uh, overpriced, growth stocks certainly were. A lot of the tech uh, industry is in growth stocks, but a lot of the mid-caps, you know, there there is a famous Warren Buffett saying, and that is, you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out, and that's basically what's happened this time round. And, you know, so the, a lot of those companies that might be showing small profits, but those profits aren't even covering their debt facilities, that's, that's a concern. So a lot of those mid-caps have been hit, but also too with this creates opportunity and as you know we've just rejigged the portfolio to take advantage of that opportunity whereas we've gone back into the australian market now because we are starting to see some value with the market having dropped below 7000 points again from 7700 but if you also consider that 7700 was pretty much where so it's high just recently was pretty much where it was before the gfc occurred yeah. So, so from that aspect, if you just held the index, there has not been a lot of growth. Been some good dividends in the Australian market. Has not been a lot of index growth during that period of time. So you have to be careful that if you're just going to follow, say, for example, the Australian index, and you're buying in at a high point on the Australian index, uh, can be a bit concerned. And there was an article we put out not so long ago: the difference between passive and tactical asset allocation. Yeah. So the Australian that we've gone into is we've got you know um an Australian tactical asset allocation manager we've got a true pure Australian equity ESG manager in there as well because a lot of companies that are really ticking all the boxes on the environment, um, ethical, sustainability, and corporate governance, they are really getting pumped with new with new uh, shares as well. Yep. Uh, sorry, not new shares, just in respect and to just share good appreciation. Good businesses, yeah. So it's uh, their businesses are ticking the boxes, and as long as they're not just ticking boxes but actually coming through and actually doing uh, yep. what they say, there's no use having a wonderful, um, you know, we we make sure that all women get the same pay and we make sure this but there's huge sexual discrimination going on or you know and things like that. So there is there is companies if it's just a tick the box what we call a greenwash, well then hmm, you got a question. But if it is uh, something that is truly ethical, now those companies are winning a lot of support and as a result of that, you know, we're we actually in it and we're watching those that part of the Australian market go up. So that's a tactical play. Whereas if you're in a bear market and you just think the index is really going to start growing, it's when you can take a passive index play. Yeah. Uh, which is usually a cheaper option at that stage. I was going to say,
0: normally when you're looking at those index options, um, because of the way that they're being traded, they normally yep. come with that slightly lower fee. Correct. And with the market looking like it is, you know, you you're not worried about that slight increase in, a, in an investment. Oh, that's
1: that right. And if you, even if you take the S&P 500, which you gave a 40 year history there as an example, you know, just give a history from the day before the, the GFC started, when it was at its high. From there, it plummeted nearly 45%. But even if you invested the day before started to plummet and at its high point, you still up 300% some 10 years later in 2018, before the last quarter of 2018. Then from there, you still up another 60% just over, oh, sorry, 90% just over the last five years. Yeah. So, so when you, and that includes COVID, the last quarter of 18 and things like that. So in saying that, the S&P 500 has been okay, you know, as a passive investment. The ASX 200, not so okay kind of backs up us having a large U.S. exposure in those growth areas uh, over the last five years. has actually performed really well and a very low exposure to Australia. We've now sort of uh, taken a lot of those profits off the table and said, thank you very much, U.S., but uh, we've got some good tactical opportunities here in Australia now. We're coming back into that.
0: Fantastic. Tony, I appreciate your time. I think it's good to follow up on that article, sent. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of positive feedback. So,
1: Can I give a shout-out to someone today if it's okay? Yeah, I like that.
0: No, it's, uh, we will give a
1: shout-out uh, to Dean Lachardi today uh, because when uh, Willard was chatting to Dean the other day, Dean said... Oh, you're the brains... Be- oh, I don't know if Dean said it or whether Willard said it. You know, <laughs> uh, you're, the, you're, the, you're the guy behind the podcast. You're, you know, the, the shout out. So, Dean, we know you're an avid listener and we love you, mate, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks. And I did tell the guys, Dean, that it's not Licardi; it's Lichardi. So I did not let him know that as well. But Willard thinks he's the brain behind this podcast. He might be to some extent, <laughs> Dean, but we won't, we won't let him know too much.
0: Love that. Thanks, Thanks, Tony.